So Nehemiah chapter 8, and we'll be starting from verse 1. Verse 1. And all the people gathered as one man into the square before the water gate. And they told Ezra the scribe to bring the book of the law of Moses that the Lord had commanded Israel. So Ezra the priest brought the law before the assembly, both men and women and all who could understand what they heard, on the first day of the seventh month. And he read from it, facing the square before the water gate, from early morning until midday, in the presence of the men and the women and those who could understand. And all the ears of all the people were attentive to the book of the law. And Ezra the scribe stood on a wooden platform that they had made for the purpose. And beside him stood Mattathiah, Shema, Aniah, Uriah, Hilkiah, and Maseah on his right hand, and Pediah, Mishael, Milkijah, Hashem, Hashbenadah, Zechariah, and Meshalem on his left hand. And Ezra opened the book in the sight of all the people, for he was above all the people. And as he opened it, all the people stood. And Ezra blessed the Lord, the great God, and all the people answered, Amen, Amen, lifting up their hands. And they bowed their heads and worshipped the Lord with their faces to the ground. Also Jeshua, Bani, Sherebiah, Jamin, Akab, Shebathai, Hadiah, Messiah, Kalita, Azariah, Josabad, Hanan, Peliah, the Levites, helped the people to understand the law, while the people remained in their places. They read from the book, from the law of God clearly, and they gave the sense so that the people understood the reading. And Nehemiah, who was the governor, and Ezra, the priest and scribe, and the Levites who taught the people said to all the people, this day is holy to the Lord your God. Do not mourn or weep. For all the people wept as they heard the words of the law. Then he said to them, go your way, eat the fat and drink sweet wine and send portions to anyone who has nothing ready. For this day is holy to our Lord. And do not be grieved, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. So the Levites calmed all the people, saying, Be quiet, for this day is holy, do not be grieved. And all the people went their way to eat and drink, and to send portions, and to make great rejoicing, because they had understood the words that were declared to them. On the second day, the heads of fathers' houses of all the people, with the priests and the Levites, came together to Ezra the scribe in order to study the words of the law. And they found it written in the law that the Lord had commanded by Moses that the people of Israel should dwell in booths during the feast of the seventh month, and that they should proclaim it and publish it in all their towns and in Jerusalem. Go out to the hills and bring branches of olive, wild olive, myrtle, palm, and other leafy trees to make booths, as it is written. So the people went out and brought them and made booths for themselves, each on his roof and in their courts and in the courts of the house of God and in the square at the water gate and in the square at the gate of Ephraim. And all the assembly of those who had returned from the captivity made booths and lived in the booths, for from the days of Jeshua the son of Nun to that day the people of Israel had not done so. And there was very great rejoicing. And day by day, from the first day to the last day, he read from the book of the law of God. They kept the feast seven days, and on the eighth day, there was a solemn assembly according to the rule. This is the word of God. Our gracious God and Heavenly Father, we give you great thanks that we can be gathered together on this New Year's Day, uh, to be gathered as your church, uh, to be able to sit under your word, and to have you speak to us. We pray that your word indeed would direct our lives, not just today, but every day of this year and the rest of our lives. For in your words are the words of life. In your words are the way to live. Uh, that is the way we were created to live, that's the, the way we were saved to live. 
And so we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, at this point, you're probably wondering, uh, what a weird place to go to, right, on a New Year's Day. Uh, what a weird place to kind of re-enter uh, on New Year's Day. Uh, but is it really that weird of a place to start? Is my question. Uh, for one, and this is pretty cool, uh, the events of Nehemiah chapter 8 happen on the Jewish New Year's Day. I'm not sure if you knew that, right? On the seventh month, first day, uh, if you have any Jewish friends, you know that they celebrate Hosh Roshana, right? The Jewish uh, New Year. We totally planned it, right? To coincide, right, with our New Year. Not really. We kind of did, but not really, right? Uh, but it is on a New Year's Day that these people are doing these things here. But more importantly, this chapter speaks of the crucial fundamental thing that is needed for spiritual renewal and reform. And our New Year's Day is for a kind of renewing, for a day of reforming, right? To make New Year's resolutions. Uh, I wonder whether uh, anyone's made any New Year's resolutions already. Uh, maybe you're thinking about changing your diet to eat healthy. Or maybe you want to eat more richly this year. Right? You want to go all out and enjoy all the seafood and all the cakes. Uh, I'm not sure if anyone resolves to do that too often. Probably not a good idea, okay? Uh, maybe you resolve to exercise more, get fitter, uh, stronger. Or maybe you resolve to want to be a better friend or to be a better parent or a child or a housemate. Uh, New Year's Day are for making new resolutions as well as for renewing old ones, right? Renewing old commitments. Uh, perhaps one that's common to many Christians is that this year I'm going to read my Bible more, right? Who's made that one so far? Oh, there you go. We've got at least one, a few. Yes. All right. And then we start from Genesis 1, right, for the whatever, the 30th time in our life. Uh, and we start again, and we know it so well. In the beginning, God created. Anyway. Um, it's kind of like what Nehemiah 8 sounds like, isn't it? Uh, this renewing of the commitment to sitting under the Word of God. You see, after a long, long history of sin that has led to ruin, uh, after years of neglect, in hearing the word of God and responding to him, we see the people of God wanting to get back into God's word and going deep into his word again. And we'll see in this chapter that spiritual renewal requires people to open, to understand, and to respond to the word of God. Right? Spiritual re renewal, uh, it, 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 uh, to, to, to have spiritual renewal requires us to have God's word open, to be able to understand what God's Word says and then to respond to God's Word. So have a look, right? point three, God's Word is opened. Uh, when seven months had come, the people of Israel were in their towns, right? And you see that at the end of chapter seven, the last line there, and then we get into chapter eight, verse one. So read along with me as I read out chapter eight, verse one. And all the people gathered as one man into the square before the water gate. And they told Ezra the scribe to bring the book of the law of Moses that the Lord had commanded Israel. So Ezra the priest brought the law before the assembly, both men and women, and all who could understand what they heard on the first day of the seventh month. And he read from it facing the square before the water gate from early morning until midday in the presence of the men and the women and those who could understand. And the ears of all the people were attentive to the book of the law. And so we see on the Jewish New Year's Day, they've all gathered to the city, right? Uh, the, the people of God... Uh, having gathered, they, they somehow, for some reason, call for Ezra, right, who is the priest and the one who is the scribe, the expert of the law, to bring the book of the law of Moses uh, that God gave to him. Right? Can you see the emphasis here? The book of the law that God had given to Moses. Um, 
It would seem that in the years before this, perhaps many years, the people of God had not opened the Word of God. Now, how do we know this? Because the book of the law clearly spelt out uh, what they were to do on the first day of the month, to be set apart right, for, for, as a Sabbath, as a, as a day of celebration. Uh, and then uh, it will kick off a month right, of great celebration. If you know your Old Testament law, as they should have, if they opened the Bible, right, for the first seven days, they would celebrate the Feast of Trumpets. They will blow these trumpets in celebration and a reminder to get ready for the Day of Atonement, which is on the 14th day right, of, of the seventh month. And then after that, it will set off another week of celebrations called the Feast of Booths, right, where they construct the tents. Uh, as a reminder that they were ones living in tents in the Exodus, a reminder of the salvation. Uh, sorry, the first 10 days is the Feast of Trumpets, and the se- second seven days is the Feast of Booths. Now, it's all there, right? Explaining the law. If you knew the law, if you knew Leviticus, Deuteronomy, you'd know it, uh, what they are, what these feasts are about, what to do, and why they were being done. But as we read the chapter, we get the sense that the people weren't familiar with this. Right? Down in verse 14, have a look there, they, we hear that they don't know about the Feast of Booths, one of their most important religious events. In fact, we are told that they didn't celebrate it since Jeshua or Joshua came out of, uh, came into the land, right, which is a long time ago. Uh, now, if you, if you know your Old Testament, that's not exactly true, right? They did celebrate it, but the, the sense here is that they didn't celebrate it uh, maybe with, from their hearts. But whatever the case is, these people didn't even celebrate it at all. It would be kind of like last Sunday... We just had a very normal church service where we didn't mention any ho-ho-hos or Christmas. And we didn't go for any special lunch, right, to celebrate anything. And then it'll be like we would get next year to, to March and April and we don't celebrate Easter as a church. There is no kids' church or right, Easter outreach event. There is nothing. It's just a normal Sunday. It'll be like that, right, to, to not celebrate the Feast of Booths, to not, not celebrate Christmas, to not celebrate Easter, that's pretty crazy, right, for, for God's people to not celebrate Christmas or Easter. But that's exactly what's happening here. Right? For so long, they hadn't heard God's word. But now the word of God was opened again. Right? All who could understand gathered to hear. We're told that the men and the women and even the children, and that's probably what that phrase means, right? All who could understand probably refers to those who weren't men and women, the children, who could understand the word of God. I mean, this is quite unusual, because in the past, it's only really the men who came to the temple to hear the priests teach the word of God. But now we also get the women, and not just the adults, but even the children were here. So, so keen were they to hear the word of God, that they were there listening in, attentively from early morning, we're told, to midday. That's like five to six hours. Can you imagine being at church for five to six hours hearing me go on and on, right? Do you think you could last even an hour? Don't worry, I won't be testing you this morning. The sermon's about 30 minutes, all right? Just, uh, but should we should give it a shot one day. We should get here at six o'clock early morning and then go to midday and see what happens, right? So keen were they to hear the word properly that we see them build a stage where we had a little stool here, right, for... For, uh, for Jade and Ezra, right, to stand on. But he had built a huge stage, right, so Ezra could be high up, so that he could preach in a way that everyone could hear uh, what Ezra was saying. Right? Practical things matter if the word of God is to be heard. Right? Praise God for stages and for microphones uh, and all those things. 
And with Ezra were 13 others. Uh, we're not specifically told what they did, these 13 people next to Ezra, but we can probably guess that they help Ezra with the reading and the teaching. Can you imagine me preaching for five, six hours? I'd die, right, having to speak that long. It'd be great to be able to share the load with 13 others, right, a steady stream of people being able to read the word and explain it. All said so far, the first big point that we see here is that the word of God was once closed, but it is now opened again. Now, God's word back in the time of Nehemiah was the law of Moses, right? The first five books of the Bible, the Pentateuch, right? The Torah, the law, first five books. Uh, In those first five books, God revealed himself as the creator, and God revealed the salvation plan for a fallen world. And then he revealed how it is through Abraham's family, Israel, and especially through the Exodus, uh, that he will achieve the salvation plan. In these five books, God gave them instructions for how to live as his people, That's what the law was about, how to live rightly as God's people. Now today, we have much more than just the first five books of the Bible. We have the entire Bible. And in the Bible, we see the fulfillment of God's promises, His salvation plan fulfilled through Jesus. And over the past uh, six weeks, uh, we've been exploring this in a lot of detail over the Christmas series. We see that all of the Old Testament points forward to Jesus, the Son of God, whom God sent into the world to be born as a baby, to die on the cross as a propitiation for our sins, the one who both pays the penalty and and takes the wrath of God himself, and to be raised in victory through his resurrection to give us life, to give us victory over death. And so the entire Bible is the fulfillment of God's salvation plan through Jesus in the gospel. But also in the entire Bible is what gives us new life. It doesn't just give us wisdom for salvation, but it also tells us how to live gives us new life. It restores and it renews our broken lives. So there's nothing more important than having the Word of God opened right in our lives. I'm sure many of you received gifts last Sunday. I hope you did receive at least one uh, during Christmas. Uh, Perhaps some of those gifts that you received needed assembly. Um, Perhaps your wife uh, got you a new TV cabinet from Ikea. All right, because she loves you so much. Actually, not really, because she wants you to clean up your mess that is your, P- your AV system, right? All the wires, all the Blu-rays, got your new TV cabinet. But you're no handyman, right? Maybe you're someone who's uh, got two thumbs, as they say. I'm not sure why, that, why that's the case, but thumbs are great. Anyway, uh, and you're one of those men who, like, don't read instruction manuals, right? Because, you know, you're, you're beyond that, right? And so you have no clue how to build this thing. Yeah, you're not a handyman and you don't care about instructions. But the manual, the instruction manual is a provision, right? It's given to all of us so that we can build the thing and actually use it. But if we don't make use of it, uh, maybe we try and put it together just by our own, you know, wisdom and intellect, and we make a mess of it. You go search it out. It's like flat pack fails. It's a great place to, to go to. And it ends up becoming useless, isn't it? You just check it. Yeah. Exactly. It's like being given the provision of medicine as well. The provision of medicine. But you're too lazy or stubborn or cynical to take it. So those provisions are wasted on you, and you suffer needlessly, and you come to ruin needlessly. You see, the Word of God needs to be opened. It's God's provision to us. Because if we don't open the Word of God, then we will spiritually shrivel up and die. We'll make a mess 
of things and suffer needlessly, we will ruin ourselves, we will ruin the people around us, and we will ruin, most importantly, our relationship with God if we don't open His Word. The Word of God needs to be opened. And yet, don't we know many Christians and many even churches that don't open the Word of God? Now, perhaps you're one of those Christians that rarely opens your Bible. And I love it that some of us here are making New Year's resolutions right, to read our Bibles more. And that's a great resolution to make. But you know what's even better? To actually follow through, right? Maybe get an accountability partner. Right? Do open, uh, use a Bible app that makes you have to check off things when you have to read it. Now, I was reading, uh, so watching this YouTube video on uh, how to become someone who becomes a runner, right? To, to be someone who, who makes it part of your life. Uh, and one of, the key, one of the things that's amazing about this whole video is that it could just as well be about spiritual disciplines. Uh, and one of the things about runners is that uh, he said the night before, you know, get your, your running gear, your singlet, your shorts, uh, your shoes, your special socks, your earbuds, whatever it is you need for the running, and put it somewhere very obvious, right? Near the, the door of your bedroom um, or the door of the, the house. And it says, the minimum you should do is to put on all those clothes and stand there, right, with everything on. And at that point, you decide, I'm not going to go for a run. That's okay, right? He said the first way to start a habit is to actually just, just get to the point where you can start, right? And I think that, that applies too for the Bible. I reckon if you can just sit there with the Bible in front of you, even if you don't open it at that very moment, do that every single day, right? Just sit there and stare at that nice, beautiful leather cover, right, on the $80 Bible you just bought on New Year's Day, right? Because I tell you what, you do that enough times, one day you're going to open it and go, oh, since I'm sitting here already, let's just read. And maybe on one day you just read one or two lines. And then soon enough, you, maybe you're going to read more and, and more, right? Physically open it. Apparently, it's one of the hardest things, right, to start doing. So why not find a habit of finding the same time every day, sitting there with the Bible in front of you, and opening it even to the title page? Your chances of actually reading the Bible skyrockets if you just open the Bible in front of you. The first big challenge for today on New Year's Day, the first resolution, first commitment I want our church to make, every single one of us, is open your Bibles every day. Open on your Bibles on your own, and then open the Bible with others. Right? Commit to meeting with someone one-to-one, as some kind of regularity. It doesn't have to be every week. Uh, commit to coming along to fellowship groups, where we're going to open our Bibles, and commit to coming to church. Right? Open your Bibles here. Right? Even if the verses are put on screen here for you, which they never are really, I'll get you to read it, right? I want you to physically open your Bible once a week. You'll actually open your Bible if you come to church. Now, even though we as a church... Uh, if you didn't know, it's known as the, the Word Church. I want us to make sure that we never take this for granted, right? And let us actually be the Word Church or people who actually get into the Word of God, remain committed to opening the Word of God and going deep into it. Second point, then, is the next big point of this passage. God's Word is explained, right? We see in this passage, not only was the Word of God opened, it was also explained, now, some days, I don't know about you guys, but when I read a book or when I read the Bible, I literally read a sentence or a paragraph, and then I'm like, what did I just read? I can't remember a single thing. And you go back and start and read it again, right? Have you ever experienced that? I did that this morning, right? I read Psalm 10, 
as part of my Bible reading. And then I read the, the Reflections by Dane Ortland. I'm reading his psalm book at the moment. And I'm like, what did I just read? I, I don't remember a single word except there was, there was a God in there somewhere. And enemies, I think it was in there. So I had to go back and read it twice because nothing went in my head. And it's so frustrating, isn't it, sometimes to be able to open, read, but not understand. Now, here the emphasis on understanding here in this chapter. Have a look. In verse 2, uh, it says this, So Ezra the priest brought the law before the assembly, both men and women, and all who could understand what they heard. And then in verse 3, And he read from it facing the square before the water gate from early morning until midday, in the presence of the men and the women and those who could understand. Verse 7, Also Jeshua, Bani, Sherebiah, Jamin, Akub, Shebatiah, Hodiah, Maseah, Kalita, Azariah, Josabed, Hanan, Peliah, the Levites helped the people to understand the law while the people remained in their places. They read from the book, from the law of God, clearly, and they gave the sense so that the people understood the reading. Hear that? Ezra made sure that he didn't just read the word of God to them. He made sure that they could understand what they heard. In verse 7, we're told that 13 other men who were Levites, and they're probably 13 different men from the ones on the stage, right? Because they seem to be the ones kind of among the people, right? Who helped achieve this very, this very thing of, uh, of understanding. And if I had to visualize it, uh, it's like being at a Bible conference, right? Where there is a stage, and then you've got different people coming up to preach and to teach and to run workshops. But then, you know, you'd have on the ground people in small groups with a small group leader. It's kind of like that, right? The 13 teaching from the stage and the 13 kind of small group leaders. Speaking of which, Ignite Training Conference is coming up in two weeks. Uh, we pause now for a short uh, advertisement, right? <laughs> Apparently, registration's closed yesterday, but I reckon I could swing you a late uh, registration because I'm on the board and all. Surely there's some benefits uh, to, to that. So if you want to sign up for Ignite Training Conference, where you will have, not, maybe not 13, a few people preaching from the front, and lots of great small group time doing strand material and how to understand the Bible, uh, please come along for Ignite Training Conference, which is in two weeks' time, exactly. Right? Uh, two weeks and one day. 16th to 20th of January. All right, we return to our normal programming in Nehemiah 8. And so we see a two-step process, don't we? The Word of God is to be open and read, and the Word of God is to be explained. Right? The sense of what is written in the Bible needs to be made clear. Now, here at SLE Church, we train our leaders to understand the Bible and understand the point and the purpose. And maybe you come to realize this. Right? We talk about point and purpose a lot. Uh, the point of the passage is what the passage is saying, uh, which comes about by reading carefully and then working out what it means. The purpose is why the passage is written. Right? Why has God caused this word, this passage, this chapter to be written? Uh, what, what, what does God want us to do or to believe in as a result right, of understanding this passage? You see, the, the Bible can be uh, read and understood. Now, God has always been in the business of explaining His Word to us, right? providing explanations for His Word, providing teachers who can explain the point and purpose of a passage, a chapter, a book of the entire Bible. But the question you might ask is, why does the Word of God need explaining, Right? What is it in explaining? Our first reason is this, because we are all ignorant. That's right, we're all ignorant, right? We all don't know stuff. Uh, do you know everything? 
Do we have a know-it-all here? Shake. No, I thought there'd be a kid that would actually shake their head, not their head. Okay, right, we don't know, we don't know everything, right? Um, um, do you know exactly what God is trying to say through every line, every chapter, every book of the Bible? I don't. And I've been studying this for decades, and I, I still don't know everything that God's Word says. We're all ignorant on some scale, aren't we? Either from being like absolutely, extremely ignorant, just to being somewhat ignorant. We're all ignorant, so we need to be taught. Because we don't know stuff. It's as simple as that. The second run, and this might be a bit harsher, is that we are all gullible. Which is kind of a nice way of saying that we're all fools. Right? We're all gullible fools. Why? Because we believe in lies. Right? We believe in lies. Now, this world is full of lies, but we believe those lies. Right? Even big fat lies like, you know, there is no God. And if there is a God, what God says doesn't really matter. We believe lies to say that we can listen to some parts of God's Word and, and not other parts of God's Word. They're not equally important. We believe lies that says I can live however I want. I can decide for myself who I want to be and how I want to live. We believe lies that says God only loves, but He never judges. There are many lies that the world tells us that sometimes, many times, we believe. The world is full of lies and we believe them because we are gullible and foolish. Now, even within the church, sadly, there are lies. There are false teachings and false teachers. And that's why we need teachers who understand the Word of God, who are faithful to the Word of God and understand it properly, who know the sense and the meaning, and to teach it to those who don't, to teach it to people like us who are ignorant and gullible. You see, the knowledge of salvation and the way of godly living cannot be known without opening the Word of God and having someone explain it to us. Now, there are sadly many Christians and churches who don't have teachers who can explain the Bible. Uh, and we, our hearts should break for them, right? This is very sad and very worrying that this is true. Pray for them and pray that God would raise up faithful teachers to those believers and churches. Now, as I said before, SLE Church, we're known as uh, the, the Word Church, and one of our core values uh, is deep in the Word. Can we blank that for a second? Can we just blank the screen here? As for SLE Church, right, one of our core values is to, deep, to be deep in the Word. And we're exploring this quite a bit uh, through the year. Uh, and I, as your pastor, try very hard to understand and explain the Word of God. I know Steve does as well. Uh, as you heard Jordan maybe uh, a few months ago, he, he spent, I don't know, 50 hours preparing his 30-minute uh, sermon. Um, most, if not all, of the leaders take the Word of God seriously, trying, to, trying very hard to understand and explain it. And this is something that we must keep striving to do more and more. Now, this year, the bar will be set right, high for the leaders of this church. Um, uh, there will be an expectation that all who teach the Word in small groups will attend ongoing regular training. Now, this shouldn't be news, I think, to the leaders, hopefully. There was a leaders um, gathering at the beginning of December where we revealed the, the, the new program for the coming year. And it won't just be the young leaders who have more time, right, who will be doing leaders training. We'll be getting all the leaders, including those who are family leaders, to be attending ongoing regular training. Okay? So that's a commitment uh, that we have to make. It must be this way that your leaders are committed to 
being able to understand the word before they teach it. Right? Teachers of the word must be able to lead their groups in a proper understanding of the word of God. So we must be trained up on an ongoing basis. Right? Not just you, but me, Steve, as well. So it's a commitment of the leaders of this church to learn and grow understanding, but it's not just the leaders who have to commit to learning and growing in understanding. Each one of us also needs to be committed to growing in understanding the Word of God because crucial to your growth as a believer is to grow deep in the Word right, by yourselves and with others. And so do commit to a one-to-one meeting with someone, attending the growth groups that are part of the church and to come together on a Sunday. And so this is the second big a challenge, right? The second big resolution that I hope we'll make as a church. They will commit to doing these things, to growing our understanding of the Word of our God on our own, in one-to-ones, in small groups, and together as a church on Sundays. Final point, God's Word has responded to. It's been up there for a long time, which uh, as my, my OCD has been irking me. But there it is, right? God's Word has responded to. Now, the chapter, if you read through it, it shows so many ways right, that the people responded to the Word of God. Right? You see in verse 3 that they listened for six hours and they were attentive the whole time. What a miracle that is. Uh, verse 5, they stood when the Word was read. Right? Standing is a sign of respect. I mean, we don't do that, but we can still be respectful in our hearts. They lifted their hands and bowed their heads to the ground, expressing their awe and their reverent worship of God as the Word was being read and taught. They responded by shouting out, Amen, Amen, when they heard. Amen means truly. If you ever wonder when you say Amen at the end of prayer, it means truly, right? Truly, truly. Uh, receiving and affirming the word of God with the shout. We see them weeping in grief because they knew they had failed as they heard the word to obey or, or even read the word of God. But this day, as we're told, right, it was a day of celebration. It was their Jewish New Year. And so then they were told to celebrate and rejoice instead, and they did that in response to the word of God. They went from weeping and grieving over the neglect of the word to rejoicing and celebrating. The word of God had been open to them, uh, and they came to understand, and so they responded. Now, we're going to read from verse 13 to see even more responding, right? At the end of this passage, uh, verse 13 to 16, follow along, Nehemiah 8, verse 13. On the second day, the heads of uh, on the second day, the heads of fathers' houses of all the people with the priests and the Levites came together to Israel, the scribe, in order to study the words of the law. And they found it written in the law that the Lord had commanded by Moses that the people of Israel should dwell in booths during the feast of the seventh month, and that they should proclaim it and publish it in all their towns and in Jerusalem. Go out to the hills and bring branches of olive, wild olive, myrtle, palm, and other leafy trees to make booths as it is written." So the people went out and brought them and made booths for themselves, each on his roof, and in their courts and in their courts of the house of God, and in the square at the water gate, and in the square at the gate of Ephraim. Now, a bunch of people, as we see in verse 13, on the second day of the new year, returned right, to Ezra and the priests and the Levites for more of the word of God. Uh, studying the word together carefully, they, 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 they realized the things that they had neglected to do for so long. And straight away, we, we hear that they sought to rectify it, right? They, they found it written in the Word of God, um, that the Lord had commanded such and such, so they did it. So they did it. So they obeyed. Now, this chapter is dripping, isn't it, with response, with responses to the Word of God. We see a, a response as simple as listening and paying attention, right? Listening and paying attention. But listening and paying attention isn't so simple, is it? Uh, 
uh, trying to, to, to really listen and to really want to soak it all in, and no one can kind of force you to do that. Right? And at this moment, I could speak really loud to wake you up. Because it's always a few people sleeping. Right? It doesn't matter how uh, uh, dramatic and, and funny I try to be. I don't really try to be. But um, there's always someone sleeping. I can wake you up. But it doesn't mean, just because you're looking at me, that you're actually listening and are being attentive. Some of you have, like, zombie eyes. <laughs> right? Uh, and you just, you're there, but you're not really there. I, I can't force you to, to really listen and to attend to the Word of God, it's not as simple. We've got to make the effort, don't we? We see in this passage emotional responses of sadness and grief at guilt and sin, of celebration and rejoicing. Once again, no one can force an emotional response. And no one should manipulate your emotional response either, by the way. But certainly no one can force it. To have genuine emotion requires for you to really care about the thing. Because I really care about Liverpool. I love it when they win and I woo! Right? So, I see some shaking heads. <laughs> Must be Man United fans or Man City or something. Sorry to the Arsenal fan over there. All right. Although well, you're doing really well this year, so you can celebrate this year. Okay, you celebrate about some things that you care about, don't you? You have an emotional response. And of course, we also see the response of obedience. To the clear teaching commands of God, we see there's no hesitating, right? No waiting around, no deliberating, just obey. God's word said this, I didn't realize, so now I'll do it. It's kind of what we've read in verses 13 to 16. And it's really difficult to do, isn't it? Unless you really think that God's word is God's word, will you then respond so quickly and wholeheartedly to what God's word says? You see, crucial. To, to renewal and, and, and spiritual reform of our lives is to respond to the Word of God with your attitude, with your emotions, and with your obedience. And so this is the third New Year's resolution I hope we'll commit to. I hope that we'll commit to reflecting on the way that we respond to the Word of God whenever we read it and understand it. How do you respond? What is your attitude? What is your emotions like? And how will you obey what is written? So let's wrap things up. Now this is the clear word, I think, to the believers here this morning. The people who returned from exile were looking forward to a spiritual renewal. And we've seen in this chapter that crucial to spiritual renewal is the word of God opened, the word of God understood, and the word of God responded to. Now, as we read on in the next few chapters, we'll see that more is needed. We'll see that what is most needed, though, is the gospel. It's the transformative work of the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ and the setting of His Spirit. But we'll come to that soon enough. We'll come to see that even as great as the people's response were at this point, things would go into ruin again. And it will not really be fixed till we get to the New Testament. But what about for those of you here who are visiting as as friends who have been invited, you're not yet a believer, well, thanks so much for joining us on New Year's Day. And if that's you, if you're not a believer, you've come along today, that's, that's great, right? New Year's Day, uh, that you're here. Um, yes, we are in a part of the Bible that you probably know little to nothing about, probably like many Christians here, actually. Um, but the message is really much the same for you. To truly know God, right, to be saved and to enjoy spiritual renewal, you need the Bible open in front of you. 
You need the Bible, the gospel explained to you, and then you need to respond right, to the Word of God. Now, if that is something that you'd like to do, uh, please speak to me or Steve or the friend that brought you along today. We'd love to open the Bible with you to explain what the gospel is all about and how you can respond. So this is the New Year's message from this New Year's passage. Uh, may God bless us as we sit under his word together. Let's pray. Gracious God and Heavenly Father, we give you great thanks for your word. We thank you that it is so freely available to us, written in just about every human language there is known to man. And we have so many copies of it, just even in our own homes. We have it on our devices. It's so easy for us to purchase even more. And so we ask you, Father, on this New Year's Day, that we would be your people who strive to be spiritually renewed in this coming new year that we will be those who will be committed to opening your word every day, that you'll help us who are struggling just to be able to sit there with your Bible open in front of us and just read maybe just one or two lines. But for others of us, pray that you help us to go deep, to open your word and to really seek to, uh, to strain out every bit of understanding that we possibly can, but even more so that we will respond in the way that we uh, that our attitudes are towards your word, in the way that our emotions respond to what we've read, and most importantly, in our obedience to what we understand your word to say to us. We pray that you will bring about a real spiritual renewal for all of us here. Whether it is for those who are still seeking after you, we pray that you will bring the spiritual life through knowing the gospel of salvation. We pray that you will bring about a greater growth for those of us who are believers that you will renew and reform us on, as we press on uh, in trusting and living for Jesus. This we pray in his name. Amen.